Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, if you're on site, if you would, would you mind standing to your feet uh, as we honor the reading of God's word in these next moments? As we start off today, we're gonna read two sections of scripture, but I want us to begin where we've been starting this entire series in the book of Romans. These are our purpose verses for this series. It says this in Romans 12, one and two. Paul writes, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, that's what we're learning about in this series, Mindset Masterclass, how we can renew our mind, how we can transform our mind, and in doing so, change the kind of person that we are. Because uh, if I know anything about you, if you're like me, you need a mindset masterclass. <laughs> you, you need a new mindset whenever it comes to different things that we face in life, different uh, obstacles that we face. And that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about today is the obstacle of comparison. The obstacle of comparison. I would wager that a lot of us, the way that we see comparison, the way that we compare ourselves in life, we could use a change. In fact, why don't you just look at your neighbor, look at the person next to you and just just quietly to yourself, just think, how do I measure up compared to this person? Just, just quietly, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, ki- I'm absolutely kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> just joking. Uh, <laughs> but as we do this, as we look at comparison today, we're gonna be studying out of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let me give you just quick background. We'll read this and then we'll be seated. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, where we find ourselves in this piece of scripture is the nation of Israel has been led by a man by the name of Saul. He's been the king for some time, uh, but he just recently in the chapter before, we see that he has ignored God's command. He's ignored God's directive. And in doing so, God is now rejecting him as king. He's decided, I can't work with Saul anymore. Saul's not listening to me. I need to find somebody who is a man after my own heart. And that's where we pick up in verse one of chapter 16. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, his prophet, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied. Say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliam, one of Jesse's sons, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
What I pray today is that God is going to help us to do the same thing that we see here, that we could start to see through God's eyes, especially when it comes to comparison. Can we pray real quick? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us today as we study your word. We pray that you would illuminate it to us in a new, fresh way. God, I pray that my opinions would not come across, but that what you would have to speak to us would come across. As we say here so often, uh, uh, if people leave here today having just heard Pastor Jacob's advice, today will have been a failure. We wanna hear from you, God. We wanna have an encounter with you through your word. So do, do just that. Be with us in these next moments. Speak to us as only you can speak, and we'll be sure that you and you alone get all the glory and all the praise. We love you, Father, and we lift all this up in your name. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. Comparison. Um, it's something I think all of us do, right? Something I've been doing recently. I'm a Browns fan. It's no secret. You guys put me on your prayer list. Uh, I'm a Browns fan. And so I've been doing a lot of comparing recently because I see our neighbor to the south, Cincinnati and the Bengals. And later today, they'll be playing in their second straight AFC championship game with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm comparing my team to this team. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't we have nice things? Like, why, why, why can't we have nice things? Why can't we be like Cincinnati? I never thought I'd say that sentence in my life, but why can't we be more like Cincinnati, right? I'm, I'm comparing. Um, chances are you'll be comparing later today if you go out to lunch uh, after service or anything like that. If you've ever had this happen where you order a meal and you were kind of wavering between two options, your meal comes out, and then the other meal you thought you wanted, that like you're like, ah, eh, but you voted against it. Somebody else's table gets it, and you instantly regret not getting it too, right? Like you're just the whole time, oh, man, I just want that meal, right? You, you've been comparing these things, comparing them. Um, we compare here at church, um, even like our, our services. We have a nine o'clock and 11 o'clock service. We compare them. I'll let you know, 11 o'clock is our favorite. We love you guys the most. All... <laughs> All I'll ask is don't go back and watch the broadcast of the 9 a.m. service. I didn't, I didn't tell them they're my favorite. I didn't say that. Just don't watch it. Just do me a favor, okay? <laughs> oh, so stupid. <laughs> uh, honestly, comparison, it is, this, I was just talking with somebody last week, um, this, this whole message series has really been impacting me, and that's what I try to do. I try to preach on things that I feel God preaching at me because it feels like I'm not wearing somebody else's armor. Like I'm, I'm wearing what God's leading me through and what he's trying to teach me. And let me tell you, this sermon that we're talking about today, this is me. Like This is something that's very hard for me. I struggle with comparison big time, uh, especially today. Sundays are a hard day for comparison. It's compare Sunday for me. Like it's, it's, it's a hard day for me. Uh, and this is, let, let me just explain what I mean by that. Uh, so after the pandemic happened, now every church streams their services, right? This is something that beforehand you didn't see a lot of churches do. We've done it for a long time. We, we had people who early on, like Paul Bukowski uh, in our church, who knew how to do this and get streaming before it was even really a thing. And so we were like the one loner, smaller church that was streaming their services back in like 2010. It was crazy. So we've been doing it for, for a long time, but not a lot of other churches, unless you were a huge church, were doing it. But then the pandemic happens and people are realizing, man, when are we going to be able to meet in person again? And so Lots of people start streaming, not just like church, I mean like Bible studies are like, hey, come check out our stream, like join us online, right? Like everybody's doing it now, which was so cool for me 
because I've, I'm like a church like geek, man. I, I love church. I, I love everything about it. I want to go visit other churches, see how they do things, see how their worship is structured. Like, I love that. I'm usually busy on Sundays, right? Like, I, I can't exactly just go because I'm here. But with streaming, with people recording and posting their services, now it's awesome. And so what I do a lot on Sunday uh, during the afternoon and stuff, I'll just kind of watch in on a bunch of churches. I look at churches that are huge and far away from us and churches that are huge and close to us and churches that are our same size near us. And I, I look all over the place for just a bunch of different things. Um, <clears throat> I like to see what God's doing in other churches. I get ideas from other churches like, oh, that's great. They're praying for local pastors and leaders in their congregation at this church. I love that. Maybe we should do something like that. So it's really cool. I love it. And it's been helpful for for me, and it's healthy for me. Just, just, it's a reminder. Hey, we're all on the same team. Like we're all pulling together. But that's not always where my mind and my heart are at when I'm watching other services. <laughs> um, I wish it were. I, I wish it were. I wish I could tell you that every time I watch it, I'm like, Lord bless them, send revival to all these other churches. I, I wish that that's how I just constantly was. But I'm human, <laughs> and so if I'm not careful. If I'm not careful, and I've had this happen before where I'll, I'll start scrolling, I have to like turn it off and I'm like, man, you're getting into a bad headspace. Just get off of here. What are you doing? Because if I'm not careful, comparison can become a cancer for me. It just can. It can become a cancer. These are the things that comparison can drive in my heart. And if you're anything like me, I would say they bring the same things up for you. Comparison can cultivate competition, apathy, and pessimism in my heart. Just being real today. Comparison can cultivate competition, apathy, and pessimism in my heart. Let me unpack that real quick. Uh, competition, because whenever I'm on there and I see other churches that are similar in size to us, similar in scope to us, similar in mission to us, if I'm not careful, if I'm not doing as Scripture says and I'm not guarding my heart, where I can go is I can start to feel like we are competing with somebody else's calling. I'm, thank you, I am, I am just trying to be real, not wearing a mask up here, not, oh, I pray for everybody. It's hard sometimes, it is, because I look at other churches, I'm like, man, look where they're at, and well, yeah, it'd be nice to be them if I had this, and so you start to realize, you're like, man, I'm competing with another church, like, how sick is that? And I need to be careful and I need to pray about it and I have to give that to God. That's what happens whenever I look at people who are situations that feel equal. Whenever I look at situations or, or things that seem like they're not quite where we are, like Cornerstone's here and I may be here, and my, my family's here. You know what I can do then? Whenever I feel like, oh man, my marriage is in a really good place. That one seems like it's hurting. Uh, you know what that can do? That can drive me towards apathy, in my own situation rather than advancement in my situation. Because I can look around at other people and be like, well, I'm doing better than them. Our church is doing better than this. And so let's just like, just keep this thing in flight, man. Like we're doing, we're doing great. Rather than saying like, no, it, this isn't about comparing ourselves to anybody. What is God calling us to? I don't care what he's calling. What is he calling us to? And are we advancing towards that calling? Instead, I can have a temptation and a tendency towards apathy, towards sitting back, towards stalling out. That's what comparison does when I look at situations or things that feel like they're not quite where we're at, where I'm at. And then the last one, when I look at situations that seem bigger and better than my situation, what that can drive me towards is having a pessimism in life, 
having a pessimism even when there's progress in my life. Isn't that just deadly? Whenever you're actually doing things, you're actually making progress and your marriage is getting better and like our church, we're, we're taking good steps forward and your relationships are taking steps forward and you're taking steps forward at work, but you compare it to someone whose step is bigger, whose performance seems to have been a little bit better and instantly you feel worse about your own situation rather than like, man, glory to God that I was able to make this happen. Well, they made it happen better. They made it happen bigger. Their situation's better than mine, and you can have a pessimism towards your own progress. That's what I see in my life. When I struggle with comparison, I can cultivate competition, apathy, and pessimism in my heart, and it's a cancer. It's a cancer. Comparison can be a cancer if it goes unchecked, and this is where it ends every single time. Comparison, if it's unchecked, it always ends in despair. It just ends in despair. It ends in an unhealthy place. That's our title. If you're a note taker for today's sermon, compare and despair. <laughs> compare and despair because that's where I've been and if you're anything like me, that's where you've been. You can compare and it leads you to a place you don't wanna be, either on a high horse or, or down low. You, you can be really high or really low. Comparison can be so deadly and I don't need to tell you that because you know that because you have family that compares you to other family. You've got friends that compares you to other friends. You have a boss that employs, uh, compares you to other employees. Like you, you've gone through this. I don't need to tell you, you have social media. <laughs> you, see, you see all the stuff online that you can't help. You see the, the, the projects that other people are doing and compare your house to theirs. And you see the vacations other people are going on. You can compare that to yours. And you see all this different stuff and it's hard. And it's difficult. You come to church and you can compare here. You're, you, you got a sermon notebook, right? We got sermon notebooks here at Cornerstone. You're filling yours out. You're like, ooh, well, this is great. I'm, we're almost done with January and I've been filling it out every week. And you look at the person next to you, theirs is filled out better. <laughs> they got little pictures that go along with the sermon in it. And you're like, oh man, it's better than mine. Like I just, what in the world, right? Like we compare all the time. I even see it, it's incredible how young this starts. I see it in my, uh, uh, my oldest daughter, Eden. She's nine years old. Uh, and she, man, I, I've mentioned this before, that whenever she starts to try something that she's not just like instantly good at, she's like livid. Like she, she does not wanna do it. Like if she doesn't have a just immediate, this works for me, she, she's not having a good time. And so basketball, like the first time I, I tried to get her to start playing went out in the driveway, she misses the first three shots and she's ready to punt the ball 50 feet. Like she's just, she's done. Like she is absolutely done. And the thing that made her so mad is she's seeing me make shots, right? Like we're out there and I'm making a shot and I'm making a shot and she's like furious because not only is she missing, but she's comparing herself to me and seeing me hitting all of these shots. Comparison is deadly. Now our, our word for the year, let's see Cornerstone, can, can you remember, what's our word for the year? Pressure, good. I, I was gonna be concerned because it's still January. If you guys would have been like, what was that? It wouldn't have been good. <laughs> pressure. Our word for the year is pressure. Uh, now, comparison, because whenever we talked about pressure, we talked about how we're actually better under pressure, that God does his best work when we're under pressure. But whenever we start injecting comparison into our life and into our relationships and into our situations, we start to face a pressure, but it's not a good pressure. It's a problematic pressure. <laughs> it's a very, very problematic pressure that we start to create in our life. And so 
I see this huge issue with comparison and I think, my goodness, if we ever needed a mindset masterclass about anything, comparison is it. Like we've gotta see things differently because this is ruining friendships, this is ruining relationships, it's ruining careers, it's ruining marriages, just this, this cancer of comparison. So we've gotta change the way that we see it. So let's get into it. Let's dive in. This is the first main point. What I want us to do, we're just gonna kind of work back through the scripture that we read from 1 Samuel 16 uh, and see the different points that God's speaking to us from it. And the first one that I want us to look at is this idea that a lot of us, whenever we compare, we can kind of get down in the dumps, right? We can compare and despair because we're, we're frustrated because we don't quite measure up to other people. We see how other people are doing, how their friendships, their relationships, their job, their finances, their life is going, and it's here, and we're here. Like, and it's just, it, it's frustrating, and it's aggravating, and we, we mourn over it. Like, oh, look at where they're at, look at where I'm at, and oh my goodness, it's just, it's just so big, and I'll never get there. This is what I think God's saying to us. We need to stop mourning because we don't measure up to a messed up metric. Right? Like, how's that alliteration for you, right? We, we don't measure up to a messed up metric. Like the metrics that we use in our life, the, the, the measuring sticks, they're messed up. <laughs> and, and we're upset that we don't measure up, but man, what are we trying to measure up to? Like, what are we even looking at and comparing ourselves to to begin with, we have got to change the way we see comparison. Listen again to uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king. Like, Samuel, you got to stop. Samuel is just mourning over him, and he's mourning over Saul because he thought Saul was going to be it. Uh, these, these words won't be on the screen, but let me just read to you real quick a, a little bit about Saul. This is from 1 Samuel 9. This is when Saul was anointed as king. There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. Think about how good-looking you got to be for the Bible to, like, take count of it and be like, hey, by the way, this dude was fine. Like, he looked good. Like, that's crazy, right? Uh, Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller above everybody else in the land. Now, think about this. Think about everything that we just said about Saul. So he came from a wealthy, influential family. He's good-looking, Right? He's taller than everybody else. He has all these things going for him that whenever God said, this is gonna be the king, you're going, well, of course. <laughs> like, I mean, wealthy family, he's good looking, he's tall, he's, he's in good shape. Like, of course, this guy's gonna be king. And so Samuel's crying over him. Samuel anointed him as king. Uh, Samuel was like kind of his right-hand man in a lot of ways. Saul is the, the political ruler of the nation of Israel. Samuel is like the spiritual ruler of the nation of Israel. And so uh, Samuel's just, he, he's mourning. He's mourning over losing Saul and that Saul is gonna be uh, rejected as king here. Uh, and he's having a hard time processing this. He's having a hard time processing it because Saul looked like the king. And not just that, but he had history with Saul. He's like, ah, I thought this was gonna be my guy and I thought, the, I thought he was gonna be king and I'm, I'm just sad, I'm just mourning over him. And God steps into it and tells him, hey, you gotta stop. You are mourning. You're, you're mourning because you thought Saul hit all the metrics. Tall, ding, good looking, ding. Influential family, ding. Like he had everything going for him, including history with you. But those are not the metrics that I use. 
Samuel, you, you are looking at things through human eyes. You're looking at things through a human perspective. That's not the way I look at things. That's not how I'm seeing things. That's not the metric that I use. You're using a messed up metric here. You gotta start seeing things the way I see things. You see, what we have a tendency to do and what we see here is we have a tendency to compare ourselves based on competency rather than calling, right? Like we, we look around and see how we compare competency-wise to other people and how good we are compared to them and how bad we are compared to them. And I know this because I've been there. I've told you guys this story before. Whenever uh, years ago, back in 2016, me and my wife moved to Cleveland to start a church, just us and a couple of people. And I mean, we're funding the thing. I had to get a second job to, to pay for it. We didn't have a lot of money. So we're using our own money. We're going to places like Kinko's and we're putting off little flyers. I'm going around to like Panera Bread and Starbucks and putting them up on the, the board and everything like that and trying to talk to people at gyms and places like that where I go to just tell them, hey, we're starting a church and get the word of mouth out and stuff. So that's what we're doing around the exact same time, 2016, Another awesome guy, awesome guy, him and his wife moved to Cleveland to start a church. They were coming out of a, a real big mega church in the area. And they were going to Cleveland. They were starting a church around the same time. And I remember one night on their social media seeing uh, like a, a post talking about how Hillsong, which like, have you guys heard of Hillsong? <laughs> you, you have, because we've sung like all of their songs. <laughs> like they're like the, they're the worship band, like, in the, uh, uh, the world. And so they're in Cleveland. They're doing a concert at the Wolstein Center. It's sold out. There's like, you know, I can't, I'm not sure what it holds, like seven to 10,000, something like that, just sold out. And the pastor had posted on his thing that like he, he's friends with some of the people from Hillsong. And so during the Hillsong concert, he was able to walk out on stage with the worship team and be like, hey, we're starting a church in the area. And you know, if you, you feel God calling you to partner with us or be a part of our team, like we would love to have you be part of your team. Whatever I tell you, I saw that post. I was like, I, I, I was dead. I'm like, <laughs> I'm walking around with a little pin, like little pin cushion and a board, putting it on. Hey, come to our church. Like, right? Like, uh, I just felt I, in that moment, I felt this big, like this big, like the, the calling, the dream God had put in my heart was right there. You know why? Because I was comparing, not calling, not, hey, this is awesome. These guys, they're, they're doing what God's called them to do. This is incredible. This is amazing. Go pray for them. I wasn't comparing calling. No, I was comparing competency. Like, wow, look at the, well, man, if I, if I came from a big church like that, and, well, yeah, if I, if I had connections like that. If, it's so easy to fall into that place. It's so easy to get into that place where you start comparing competency instead of calling, and it's deadly. It's a messed up metric. We're not supposed to do it. It leads us nowhere good. And God's trying to remind us over and over again. He was trying to remind me, and he's trying to remind you whenever you use a messed up metric. Man, stop looking at things the way people tend to look at things. Renew your mind. Get a new perspective. <laughs> Change your mindset. Start looking at things how I see things. And I love in this moment, it's like, God kind of resets Samuel and reminds him like what actually is important here, what actually matters here because Samuel's crying and he's upset and God tells him what? He tells him, fill your flask with olive oil and be on your way to Bethlehem. Like that's what God responds to him and what this means, why this is so significant when God's telling him to fill his horn with oil, the oil that he would fill it with is used for anointing. 
Like this is, this is a sign, this is a physical sign of a spiritual reality that God is going to be handpicking the next leader of Israel. And so this oil, what it represents is God's anointing and God's blessing. That's what the oil represents. And then God tells him, Samuel, fill up the horn with oil and be on your way. Go, be about your calling. I have called you to be my prophet, to go do things that I tell you to do. Be on your way. And in this moment, what God is saying is like, man, you, Samuel, you've fallen into it. You're, you're seeing things with a messed up metric. The things that matter are my anointing, my blessing, and my calling on your life. That's what matters. Be about those things, not the metrics and the things that matter to the world. God's reminding Samuel, and he is reminding us. The next thing I want us to look at is jumping down just a few uh, verses to verse six and seven. This is Samuel's here. The sons are walking in front of him. And it says this in verse six, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. What we know is that Eliab was the, uh, probably the tallest, probably the most prominent looking of all the sons. And so Samuel takes one look at him and probably is like brought back in time to the first time he saw Saul. He's like, wow, <laughs> feels like this is Saul again. This is Saul 2.0, the, the better, improved version, the $6 million man. We can rebuild him. We can make him better. Like, this is the better Saul right here. And, and he looks at him. He takes one look, and he's like, there he is. This is the Lord's anointed. And then God responds. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. I don't see things the way you see things. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's telling Samuel in this moment, he's saying, look, you're doing it again. <laughs> you're, you're looking at his height. You're just, you're just comparing the prominence that this guy physically has. I'm looking at a completely different metric. I'm comparing something completely and utterly different than you are. Don't just look at his height, go deeper. Keep going. If you're gonna compare, keep going. And that's what I would say our, our next main point for the uh, day is this. Don't compare and then despair. Compare and continue. <laughs> Play that thing out. In fact, I, what I would say is that our biggest issue with comparison, because I don't want you walking away thinking that I'm saying all comparison is bad. Actually, comparison can be very good. Like it, it can be a good thing to compare. The problem is whenever we compare ourselves to people, usually what we're doing is we are having an incomplete comparison. You, you may have heard other pastors or speakers put it this way. We compare our behind the scenes footage to other people's highlight reels, right? And basically what that, what that means, the gist of that is we are using an incomplete comparison, just a surface level comparison, and that's, that's it. Uh, we, we need to dive deeper. Don't compare and despair. No, compare and continue. Play that comparison all the way to its logical end. So my daughter, Eden, playing basketball, she got frustrated because she sees me making shots. And then on top of it, she got even more frustrated when she goes to her first practice because guess what? Now it's not just 34-year-old dad who's making shots. It's kids my own age who are better than me. Like all of them seem to be shooting better than me and dribbling better than me and passing better than me. What in the world? And so surface level, compare and despair. This is frustrating. Why am I so bad? Why am I not good? And so what me and my wife had to tell her, we were talking to her, we're like, honey, honey, you are, this is an incomplete comparison what you're doing right now. Do you know every one of those? Because we know the kids who are on your team. Do you know you are the only oldest sibling on your team? You're the only one. 
Everyone else is a younger sibling, which means they have older siblings. And a lot of the older siblings of the kids on your team, they play basketball. And so you're coming in having never shot hoops before ever. These kids have been getting bullied in the backyard by their older siblings. And so they're battle tested, right? Like these kids are coming in like hungry and they're, they're making all shots because of course they are. It's a different context. And so we were telling her like, honey, you know, if you're gonna compare, complete the comparison. Like continue it, follow that thing out. Don't just stop at the surface level where you wanna despair and be frustrated because you feel like you're not good enough. Man, continue this thing out. See what's really going on behind the scenes. People have said uh, stuff so much to Pastor Brenda uh, at church. Uh, a lot of uh, women in the church at times before have been like, man, Pastor Brenda, I wish, wish I could have a ministry like you've had, made an impact that you've had. And I wish I could do the things that you've done. You've written books and you've, flown overseas and spoken to other countries. It's just incredible. I wish, I wish I could be like you. Spoken as someone who, her son, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> trust me. Because all, all you're seeing and all you're comparing is surface level, that's it. I'm the one who grew up with her. I'm the one who saw her weeping after reading certain emails. I'm the one who saw people tearing her down over and over and over again. I'm the one who saw heartache after heartache after heartache. You don't want that. You don't want that. But when we compare, things can be so surface level. When we compare, it can just be so, wow, things look great and it looks awesome and everything's been up and to the right. Man, complete the comparison. Continue the comparison. Follow this thing through to its logical conclusion. God is telling us to continue the comparison. Samuel saw the oldest, he saw the tallest, he saw the one with most prestige, and God said, continue the comparison. Follow this thing through, and you're gonna see this is gonna be a replay of Saul. I'm rejecting him as king. This is not the one. This is not the one. God would be telling us, do the same thing in your relationships. If you're looking at another marriage, and you're comparing your marriage to it, and going, man, look at the way they love each other. Look at the affection they have. If only we could have that in ours. Man, don't stop at compare and despair. <laughs> Continue that thing out. Well, why, why do they seem so close? Why do they seem to be in such a healthy space? Oh, they do regular date nights. Like even if it's not going out, they do date nights at home and they invest, they read books together, they talk together. Like, oh, that's why I can get there too. If you're in financial stress, man, don't compare yourself to other people who you've seen pay off debt and just shrug it off and, well, yeah, if I had a paycheck like that and if I was able to do that, continue the comparison. See the way they've sacrificed, the way that they have uh, made cuts here and there to be able to get themselves out of debt. This is such an important thing for us, such an important thing to pull out of scripture today that God wants us to continue the comparison. And, and this is why this is so important um, because you will compare. We just need to say that. We just need to admit it. It does a lot of good to just admit the facts. It would be very easy to get up here and preach a sermon and talk about how, you know, just pray that God would take the want to compare out of your life and you'll never compare yourself again and you'll just be happy for everybody else's success and you'll, you'll never compare yourself to anybody else. I don't think that will happen. Maybe God would work a miracle in someone's life and completely remove the, the want to compare uh, away from you. But I, I, I would say for 99% of us, that comparison's not going anywhere. It's always gonna be a temptation. It's always gonna be something that we can struggle towards falling into. 
Uh, and what I think instead, instead of God taking it away, I think what God wants to do is very similar to uh, uh, the verse that we focused on as our verse for the year, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, where the apostle Paul is dealing with what he calls a thorn in his flesh. And he's talking to God and he's saying, God, remove this thing. Take this thing away from me. I can barely bear it. Like I, I, I need you to take this away. And God doesn't take it away. Instead, God says, I'm going to show my strength the most through your weakness. I'm gonna give you the grace to stand up against it. I'm gonna make you strong enough to be able to stand up against it, but I'm not gonna remove it. I'm just gonna make you strong enough to stand up against it. And I think God's gonna do the same thing whenever it comes to comparison in our life. He's not just gonna like magically brain wipe you where you never wanna compare yourself to your brother again, where you never wanna compare yourself to that other mom that you follow on Facebook again. God's not gonna take that away. He's not gonna remove the lure of comparison, but he is gonna show you how to look at comparison correctly. He's gonna change the way and go, you know what? I'm not gonna take it away because that's not the kind of God I am where I just remove obstacles from you. I'm gonna show you how to deal with the obstacle, how to deal with it in a godly way and how to push through to the other side. And this is where I think we see this take place in this piece of scripture. I wanna just read this. We won't have the words up on the screen, but uh, uh, Samuel's here. He's looking for the next king. Eliab comes in front of him. God says, this isn't him. I'm looking at different things. And then this is what it says. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this too is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this the one that the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Now, when I'm reading this, the first thought that comes to my head is like, why is God doing this? Like, setting the stage with all this drama, like get to the point, like we, we get it. You knew before Samuel even set one foot in Bethlehem, it's David. Like God, you, you knew this is who it's gonna be. You know what you're picking. Why the big parade? Like why all the pomp and circumstance and have all of them walk in front and you're not the one and you're not the one. Like why, why is he doing it this way? What's, what's the whole point? I think the point is God in this moment is teaching Samuel something. I think he's teaching Samuel something because Samuel has been crying over Saul based off the wrong metric, right? He, just because you have history with this guy, just because you thought he was gonna be the king, that's not what matters. What matters is the calling and he's completely gone against it. He's upset about that. And then he shows up here in Bethlehem and he thinks Eliab, like surely this is guy's gonna be the king. And I think God at this point is like, Samuel, I, <laughs> you need a mindset master class. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you because you think you know what I'm looking for. You seem to think you know the comparison and what really matters and what's really valuable. So rather than just ending this thing and saying it's David, I'm gonna bring every single person who you think is more qualified and competent before you first and let you know that ain't him, that ain't him, that ain't him, to show you, to just beat it into your head, I do not look at the same things you look at. I don't take into account the same things you take into account. And so, no, we'll go through every single one of these kids to let you know this isn't it. This isn't it. It's not the height. It's not the strength. It's not the prestige. It's the heart. I'm looking at something different. God was addressing Samuel's misconception. God was showing Samuel, this is how you deal with it. This is how you deal with comparison. And God wants to do the same thing for us because, again, comparison's not going away. 
It's like the saying, give a man a fish and he's fed for a day, but teach a man to fish and he'll be fed the rest of his life. God's saying, I don't wanna just give you this one moment. I wanna teach you this is how you look at comparison. Because it's, again, it's not going anywhere. I know, I know we think like we live in unprecedented times that like everything that we deal with is, oh, it's unprecedented, unprecedented. And we talk about that when it comes to comparison. Like I've seen articles talk about how the times that we live in now, it's comparison culture. And to a degree, to a degree, that is true. The, uh, the rise of the cell phone has definitely added to it. Um, they've done studies that show uh, depression, especially in young girls, starting in the year 2012, has like skyrocketed. It is absolutely off the charts. And the thing that they correspond with that happening in 2012 was the rise of social media, the rise of cell phone usage, and the introduction of a high-quality camera on the front of the screen for selfies. Like, those three things immediately correspond with depression, depression skyrocketing uh, off the charts. So, yes, to a degree, comparison is, is bad right now. It's bad for certain reasons uh, that have to do with the modern landscape of the world. But we kid ourselves if we act like this isn't just something that's always been around. People have always had this tendency and temptation towards unhealthy comparison. Have you ever heard of the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses? That's the original, not keeping up with the Kardashians. That's a, keeping up with the Joneses is the original thing. And most people don't know where that phrase came from. That phrase came from a comic strip. There's a comic strip that ran in papers. And in the comic strip, there's two families, the Jones family and the McGinnis family. Now, the Jones family is never pictured. Like, the, the comic actually focuses on the McGinnis family. You see them in every, in every comic strip. And in every comic strip, they're comparing themselves to their neighbors, the Joneses, about the, how their kids are doing in school and the new thing that they got in their house and the new landscaping and the new this and the new that. And they're comparing themselves over and over. Guess when that comic strip ran from? 1913 to 1940. So we kid ourselves acting like, oh, it's this culture, this day and age, we're so caught up with comparison. We've always been caught up with comparison. It's, we've always done it. We've always been worried about the competency and the people around us and how well they're doing and how that reflects on how well we're doing. This is something we're never getting away from. We have to know how to deal with it. And in closing, these are the things that I think God shows us in his word uh, how we can deal with it. I want us to just read two short verses from Galatians chapter six. This is the apostle Paul again writing, and this is what he says starting in verse four. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to what? Compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Pay attention carefully to your own work. Uh, I love this because I think what Paul is showing us here is that we need to constantly calibrate the calling God has put on our life. Constantly just recalibrate and recalibrate and refocus and refocus and just recenter ourselves. Um, that's why what we do every single week, every single week before service starts, all of the ministry partners at Cornerstone, we gather together here in the auditorium. We come up front after we go over our uh, like just short announcements for the day and a short kind of inspirational thought for the day. We do uh, we call it our MP rally cry, our ministry partner rally cry. And what we do is uh, usually I or somebody else will lead us in it. We put all of our hands in, and this is what we say: We say, 
Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today, the kingdom advances and hell retreats. Today, people far from God will find the father, a family, and a fulfilling future. And today, the tomb is still empty and God is still faithful. We say it every single week, every single week. Um, and, and we do it not because it sounds cool or sounds good. We, we say it because it's true. And there is a power whenever we declare over ourselves and over our life and over our church and over our marriages and over our relationships, there is a power when we declare the truth, whenever we remind ourselves, when we recalibrate ourselves on the truth. I think that's what Paul is saying here when he says, pay careful attention to your own work. Pay careful attention, recalibrate, all just keep refocusing and refocusing and recentering on your own work, on your own calling, on your own life, on your own race that you are running, not their race, your race. Pay attention to your own work. You see, whenever you do that, you, you, you recenter and you refocus, you're actually living out your calling, not somebody else's. You're actually living out what God has called you to do, not what somebody else has been called to do. And your calling, this is, this is a bonus for you, okay? This is a bonus for all of us today. Your calling, I wanna let you know, this is what your calling is in life, to become more like Jesus. That's your calling. Become more like Jesus and help other people to do the same. That's my calling. That is the calling of anyone who has ever lived, who's had uh, air pumping through their lungs or blood through their veins, to become more like Jesus and to help others become more like Jesus. And that is what we have to constantly be recalibrating ourselves toward, reminding ourselves, that's what I'm here for. That's what's important. That's what I'm here for. That's what's important. <clears throat> with, with my daughter, Eden, when she plays basketball, what I do every single time that I've gone to a game with her, every single time when we're on the car and we're, we're driving over, I tell her again, I'm like, hey, when you shoot, what do you do? What do you do? I make her say it. Get lift, right? Lift. Get lift on the ball, shoot it just over the front of the rim, and follow through every single time. We just, I got, it's an acronym, LOFT. L-O-F-T, lift over front of the rim, follow through. Like every, every single time I say it, to remind her, to recalibrate, because it's so crazy. The one time I don't say it, she goes into a game, her shots aren't looking like this, they're, <laughs> she's pushing them up, right? I'm like, ah, gotta recalibrate, gotta recenter, gotta refocus. You've gotta be doing that in your own life, in your own spiritual walk, reca recalibrating and recentering on your calling. Last thing <clears throat> I want us to look at and to talk about uh, is this. Galatians 6.5, let me read it one more time. Paul says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. <clears throat> we are each responsible for our own conduct, each responsible for our own work, each responsible for our own calling. Don't live your life pursuing somebody else's purpose. Don't, don't get to the end of your life and realize you were living a shadow of somebody else's. Don't get to the end of your life realizing you're going to answer to God for how well you ran somebody else's race. Don't let that happen. I've been there early on in my ministry. I had, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably one of the most insecure people you'd ever meet. Insecurity all over the place. I, <clears throat> I can come up here and talk about how like, you know, just be confident in who you are in Christ. And second I walked down after service, how was it? Was it good? Do people, do you think it connected well? Like that's, that's me. Um, <laughs> so uh, I get it. Like 
it's a temptation. It's a temptation for me to mimic other people, to try to be like other people, especially early on in my ministry. But I felt God so strongly put this on my heart early on in my ministry. Don't mimic other people. Fulfill your calling. Fulfill your calling. God is saying the same thing to you. Fulfill the calling he has placed on your life. Nobody else's. And if you do that, I promise you, you will have no want to compare. It's gonna start drifting away. It'll still pop up knee-jerk reaction every now and then, but you'll start to remember, no, you know what? This is the calling God's put on my life. This is where I'm supposed to be. I don't wanna run somebody else's race. I wanna run my race. That's what I want for me, and that's what I want for you. Let's bow our heads, and let's pray real quick about it. Heavenly Father, man, we need help. <laughs> we need help. We, we struggle so much with, with, this, with the, uh, the sin of unhealthy comparison, of comparing ourselves to people around us, people we think are better, are lesser, are equal. And it's, it's just so negative, and it's so unhelpful, and it's so insidious, and it can rob us of the future that you have in mind for us, God. So help us. Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to embrace uh, uh, embrace your will and your calling on our life and to realize that's the only measure, that's the only metric that we need to care about is how well are we following you and the calling you've put on our life to become more like Jesus. And God, as we do that, as we focus in on that, we know that we'll be living out our true calling as a son and as a daughter of God. Help us to do that, Father. And we'll give you and you alone all the praise. We lift all this up in your name, amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.